I'm John. And I'm Jason. And this is Digital Divination on the No Direction Network. back for episode 64 of digital divination jason how you been it's been a while since i seen you uh, i've been pretty good john how you been 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 good been good been kind of relaxing here my my summer's nice. winding down and uh you know come next month i have to go back to doing real work again like teaching and <laughs> stuff like that so it's like uh i'm trying to enjoy the last vestiges of my my freedom and being able to sleep in and stuff. So. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Well, enjoy it. Eat it all up while you can. Yeah. It's a typical thing for me. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a little busy in the year than the summer. Mm. I like quit doing something. My wife still has to get up and go to work and all these things. So mm. I feel like, okay, I'll kind of get up and kind of do some work and right, kind yeah. of help out around more around the house because I kind of feel you know, guilty. <laughs> sure. So how was your, uh, your, uh, next couple of weeks at Renegade? How's that been? Ah, uh, good. Busy, real busy. Um, just getting, you know, getting things in order and, uh, working on the next bunch of stuff that's coming out that will, you'll see hopefully soon. I mean, probably not to the beginning of next year, but, but, uh, that's not too far away. Yeah. 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 Very, very cool. Very cool. Um, have you, are you still playing in some games too, in addition, or has that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, no, I, I mean, I still have my three monthly games. Well, I mean, they're three games. Hold on. They're every other, mostly every other week, except for one, which is every week. So I've been playing those. Those mm -hmm. are still, those are all good. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I have three like that. I have three that are every other week. And then September 1st, I'm starting a weekly game on Thursday, Ooh. which is like my only real free day. So now that's going <laughs> to be sure. There you go. Um, because there are several folks I know at, from Wizards and Paizo that want to play Spelljammer and oh, see how that works. So very nice. we're gonna we're gonna give it a go. And so Ron's gonna be running it, and yeah, uh, okay. we have uh, Leo's gonna be there and his wife, and maybe right. Luis. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Oh, not. okay. And then, <laughs> and then a couple other folks from other groups. So it'll be fun, and we'll be doing it in person at my house. So it's kind of a. Mm -hmm. It's kind of oh, nice. Good. I won't. Yeah. I won't have to go anywhere. <laughs> That's the. Best I thing. mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, not having nope. to go anywhere is also why I'm yeah. still playing in those other <laughs> games because I just go to the computer and yes. and do it. Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm. I don't play in person in game stores, but I will play with other right. people that are being conscious about their covid choices let's say. oh sure sure yeah, yeah well, that's that's yeah. good that's good yeah well i'm jealous because i won't uh get to do my uh my gif voice that i've have in my back pocket which i when i ever <laughs> when i know that they existed i was like oh i know exactly what that oh. character sounds like what does it sound like He's just a blustery, like a uh, British colonel, old British colonel type. What's the meaning of this? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, because the uh, big jowls, right? Because he's got a big, he's a big hippo. Yeah, 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 yeah big yeah. hippo man. Oh, that's good. I just that, picture him just yeah. with somehow having sideburns. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how, no, how a gift would have sideburns, but there you go. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. I've, I've been looking at Spelljammer a little bit more. I got the box set came out last Ooh, week. Yeah. And uh, not much to it. I mean, okay. if this is their foray to to compete with Starfinder, it leads, leaves a lot to be desired, you know. Oh, interesting. I just saw some some various pictures online, like the Flump Pirate, uh, right. which I thought yeah. was a great piece of art. Uh, and I like the you know it, it it does seem to have some of that weird stuff, but I I don't know anything about the rulesness of it all. No, yeah, it's you know I haven't gone through the adventure part because that's what Ron's going to run. I don't want to ruin it. Oh. I've looked through mm-hmm. kind of the creatures and I looked through the. Um, they have a you know additional races you mentioned mentioned one mm-hmm. of them and then some additional kind of uh class features and things and sure. it's really super light it's like you know 5e and you can do a couple of things that are a little different in space but you're mostly going to be like 5e still doing stuff it's, so be a it's almost barbarian like, or whatever yeah, cleric, yeah, yeah. It, it's like almost taking like Pathfinder second edition and say, we're going to put you in space. We're going to give you a couple extra little things you can do, but you're still going to be second edition in space, which is okay. way different than what Starfinder is. Oh, well, yes, of course, because second edition Pathfinder did come second. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah well, but yeah. But one one of the things I was going to, I thought we would talk about, and it kind of ties in this a little bit. Things that I see very often are people asking on various uh, Starfinder groups and, and things like that saying, mm-hmm. anybody have tips or advice for somebody looking to get started in Starfinder? And right. it's almost always prefaced with, I've been playing 5e forever, but I've never played Starfinder. And, you know, with the assumption that, okay, I played this other game for a long time. It's a D20 mm-hmm. game. And now I want to play this D20 game. Right. So. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, it's, it's interesting because hopefully that that uh, some people uh, who pick up Spelljammer and want a little more of that space fantasy, science mm-hmm. fantasy flavor, uh, you know, I think moving over to Starfinder is a great idea because mm-hmm. we can give you all that kind of space weirdness that you want, but with more more tied to the setting. Right. right. Um, then and, and with its own set of rules. So there's a couple places that I would suggest um, the beginner box is, of course, sort of meant for that. Right. Uh, it's meant to, to introduce people to the system, introduce all, all players, GMs and, 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 you know, player characters alike uh, with a sort of an introductory adventure in there. And then just the sort of a lot of the system kind of pared down basically you know some of the skills have been sort of condensed uh some of the choices uh uh you might make with a with a class or 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 briefer i would say there's less to choose from um but uh, just to give it a more focused experience and i think uh, uh i think one class is not present so uh, it's a good place to kind of like dip your toe in see if you like the idea of starfinder uh in a way that it'll be make it a little tricky to move to Starfinder proper uh, because it's not exactly the same system. Mm -hmm. If you Mm want to dive right in um, and uh, uh, just grab the core rule book, but need maybe a little helping hand, um, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it, John. I'm going to plug Junkers Delight uh, (laughs) because it is an adventure written for beginner players and also beginner GMs. And all you need to play it is the core rule book. Uh, and so you can take 
whatever's in there and and just mm-hmm. sort of run that straight without having to pick up any other supplements or any of even any even sorry uh not even uh needing any of the alien archive books right, right, right so those are two different slightly different places to start i think um there's also a lot of people have been talking uh, I've, I've seen online uh about um uh, this sort of thing coming up about sort of not wanting to <clears throat> put in a whole bunch of money uh, to, to 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 see anything um, for Pathfinder Second Edition, saying, "Oh, all the rules are on Archive of Nethys." Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? This is the same for Starfinder. All right. of the rules right. are on Archive of Nethys. So if you want to like check it out for free, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you could go and uh, download any number of our free RPG Day adventures. Uh, for Starfinder, mm-hmm. uh, all, a lot of which, a lot of them, I have also written, um, which uh, which come with some pregens, and then you just the rules you might need are in uh, you know on archive methods that you can find for free. So uh, another avenue to go. Yeah, yeah, I think for somebody who's coming in and just wants a taste, I think those are great ideas to get started. And I'm going to kind of build on that a little bit and say somebody who's kind of serious about giving it a go. So like. Mm. They want to jump in. I think the Junker's Delight is a great idea. I think it's a great idea. And I I don't think you need to buy any of the books, but I do think having a physical copy or a PDF of the core book in yeah. addition to um, what's on the Archives of Nethys helps a lot. The nice thing about Archives of Nethys, I'll say, and I use this in my writing all the time, is mm-hmm. it gives a pretty comprehensive listing of things and it l- allows you to link through to, to related things. So yeah. it's a lot more searchable, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. if you were just getting started, it's kind of nice to have the core book and to flip through all the character generation and things like that, mm-hmm. parts of it. But then when you're making choices, go to archives and say, hey, you know, I'm looking at a particular race. What are the races that are available? And you get mm-hmm. to see those and you can click on them and see all the pros and cons of bonuses and things. Or I'm looking at for a particular theme. And the archives lists all the themes and yeah. gives you a little shortcut as to uh, what attribute modifiers associated with it. So it right, makes it yeah. really easy to find it all in one place. Um, but I'm going to say two things, two rec- two tips I'm going to give anybody sure. who wants to start up with Starfinder and assuming that you're can, kind of doing these other things. The first one is either skip or hand wave Starship Combat. Oh, yeah. for That's simple. why there's no Starship Combat in Junker's Delight. Yes. Right. It's it. And, you just sort of say that that's for that's a slightly more advanced uh, uh, add-on. Right. And a lot of people, I, when they think about Starfinder, they're thinking, "Oh, that's going to be really, really cool." The fact that matter is, it's it's a little clunky, and until you get experienced players, experienced with Starship Combat, it does take time. I just um, I'm editing an episode of Intrepid Heroes. We have a bunch of experienced players, and we're spending an hour getting through a starship combat. And when you're first starting out, that's a long time to spend on something that quite frankly, isn't all that exciting compared to other things you could be doing. So that's, that's one tip. The second tip is that, you know, for every single class out there for Starfinder, there are pregens available at the first, fourth and eighth levels. And if you are getting started, and this is what I do for other systems, quite frankly, but if you're just getting started, think about what classes you're interested in and download these pregens for free from Paizo. Take a look at each of them, figure out what might be fun for you. And you either can start with a pregen or what I think is more interesting, 
start with the basics of that pregen, and then modify it how mm-hmm. you would like at first level or fourth level, whatever level you're starting. But first or, or fourth level, I think, are good. And so this way, there's a lot of kind of um, boilerplate stuff that you got to do when you create a new character that yeah. don't really contribute, I think, as much to the fun of maybe the class and some of the equipment you have and some of the abilities. And the pregens help kind of eliminate that aspect. You try it out. And then after you play that for a while and say, well, you know what? I found out about this other other thing called dragon kins that are available. I think it'd be really fun to play a dragon. Maybe I'm going to change it up for that. So those are kind of my two quick ones for players and GMs. You know, mm-hmm. don't don't mess with Starship Combat and then then use the pre-gems. Now, in terms of scenarios or adventures and stuff, I, I definitely think that um, the free RPG day ones are good. They're relatively short. Yeah. I think Junker's Delight is is really good as well. But also, I'll say there's quite a few of the Starfinder Society scenarios out there, oh, yeah. especially the, the one to fours, which give a kind of a nice complete storyline that you can finish in three to four hours. And so those, that's another kind of choice, uh, I, I think, to do it. And you don't have to be part of society. Um, they cost, I think they're four ninety five if you want to buy them. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, that's, that would be definitely another option to, to get started. Yeah, yeah. To to sort of like continue to build on what, what you said too. Uh, if you've after you've played one like one of those pregens per se, uh, and you want to get into making your own character, but it's still maybe a bit too daunting. Pick a different class, maybe. And then mm-hmm. in the core rulebook, we have four sample builds for each one. Mm-hmm. Now these are not full pregens because it's just a sort of couple choices of of like specifics and and suggestions of things you might want to take, like feats and stuff. And you can even just sort of like. Run, like a, as a practice run maybe even try to build that sample build from scratch with it without mm-hmm. having to worry about having to make all of the choices the choices are essentially made now you just do the math part of it uh and right. that'll get you used to how that works uh and then you know soon enough you'll have 18 other character ideas you want to go through and you'll be spending your nights making new characters uh left and right and then just searching out a place to to play them uh, and then I guess, you know, if you are just a, you know, a, always a, an always player type person, you didn't, can't find enough people to get together for a group. You had mentioned the Starfinder Society. We can, you can always make one of these characters. Uh, and, 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 uh, uh, as long as there are some specific rules to follow, which are available, of course, uh, on the Paisa website, uh, take that to, you know, find, find out where there's a uh, Starfinder Society meetup near you and, just go play with some people. Uh, be some random strangers, of course, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, a lot of the Starfinder Society GMs are just, you know, they're in it for the love of the game and they uh, can can help teach you some 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 what, what's going on and, uh, you know, stoke your love for, the, for it, I think. Yeah, and I think that's a, it's a little bit challenging, I'll say, it's to find groups like that. Um, you know, one of the ways you can do that if you go to warhorn.net and you put in Starfinder in your location, uh, then anybody who's scheduling games on Warhorn, um, that'll populate. And so you'll see stuff from all over the country with that. And that's one way to get in. Another way to do it is to go to the organizedplayfoundation.org website where you can get a link for the venture officers in your area 
Now, when I first started playing Starfinder five years ago, that was not up to date. And I contacted oh. every single person that was supposed to be in the Seattle area. And most of them weren't organizing anymore. Mm. So, um, but now it is. Now it's up to date. And most major metropolitan regions have a venture captain and several venture lieutenants and several venture officers that set up games online and also at the various game stores in the in the area. And yeah. quite frankly, one of the easiest ways is go to a game store and see if they have Pathfinder or Starfinder. And and they'll tell you, oh, yeah, we have it. This is when they meet. And this is who you can contact to find yeah. out more. So and, and getting to, a game is not bad. Yeah. And just sort of online as a as a region kind of counts as one, right? There's lots yes. of play-by-posts and, and occasional um, like probably Discord or Zoom calls that have these games going at, at certain times. And it may not be your time zone, uh, but if you can stay up right. late or get up early, you might be able to to, to get into a game uh, that you uh, want to get into. Um, you said something, John, uh, that just reminded me uh, that it is, in fact, Starfinder's uh, five-year anniversary about a, a week or two ago, probably, uh, yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, uh, five whole years of this yep. game existing is just it was just amazing uh to me <laughs> when, I, when i when i saw that people talking about it it's been five years like, oh man it has been five years well it's wow if you look at like pathfinder i mean at the 10 year point that's when they came up with second edition right that's true Tenth season so we're like halfway through <laughs> maybe the cycle maybe more than halfway through you don't know maybe more you know because 10 years yeah, was, was a, a long time for an for yeah. an edition honestly for, yeah. for yeah, yeah. the first edition yeah it, so starfinder was released at gen con five years ago and five years ago mm -hmm. in 2017 completely sold out yeah at gen that con. was exciting and i think that surprised a lot of people sure did a lot of folks with that yeah. And I think, um, you know, my, my sense, and you'll, you can kind of correct me if I'm wrong here, is that Starfinder was introduced as kind of a uh, fill-in because second edition was coming but wasn't quite ready to be released for pre-testing and bring to the marketplace. So they kind of spooled up Starfinder a little bit sooner to do that? Yeah, no, it, yeah, I, that was sort of... The intent is why it kind of, uh, I would say, probably spooled up faster than right. than you might expect. It was suddenly, hey, let's mm -hmm. do Starfinder. There was some some sort of very limited, not not broad playtesting, but we had some some groups around. You know, I would say probably the October or September, the fall before its big release, right. and then just from there. I mean, it, it had been and worked a little bit the summer before, so basically, you know. Uh, uh, while uh, uh, second edition was being sort of tinkered with, um, we kind of said, "Oh, well, let's we have this sort of wider setting in a lot of ways. Uh, that you know, we have Galarian, but we also have the whole galaxy. We've done you know books like Distant Worlds and 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 weird um, uh, adventures on Triaxis in in you know Pathfinder Adventure Paths and stuff like that. Um, why don't we just do you know we could do." The whole thing says, move forward. There's a spaceship, it's laser guns, all sorts of aliens, that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, that it just kind of was happened. <laughs> it just kind of happened. It all happened very fast, yeah. and it was a, 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 I think, a surprise to everyone in the company that it was 
as uh, huge of a hit as it was. Cause I don't, you know, I mean, it was also, we, but from the beginning too, we also, uh, Paizo also uh, uh, supported it with, with the first adventure pass sort of coming out right away. Starfinder right. Society scenarios coming out right away, you know, with a soon month, a month later, uh, the first best, you know, alien archive. So it was an attempt to sort of make another line. Of course, it wasn't just meant to be, here's the Starfinder book. Goodbye. Uh, but right. you know, it, it, the, the fact that it sold out at Gen Con was very pleasing. Yeah, in the the overall support behind Starfinder in the beginning, and and actually even now is it's just a fraction of what's behind the Pathfinder Second Edition. Right? Oh sure, yeah. So you know, kind of the amount of um, titles coming out for it and, and and things like that. So I, I you know I think there must have been some thinking that yes, this could be something, but it's not going to be a big massive thing, and we're not going to mobilize a whole second unit. It's we're just drawing off different folks and kind yeah. of making this is our skunk works for starfinder and we'll see <laughs> if it works and and then kind of go with that has yeah. the thinking behind it did it change over time that you know what this is a pretty big thing or is it still always going to be that you know redheaded stepchild and uh you know we'll do it here because we have to it it was it and i think it kind of straddles the fence between the two from from sort of my own personal uh experience you know because people were Look, it Starfinder filled a niche. It's a it's a you know science fiction, science fantasy game that's not tied to any particular license, and so it's kind of wide open. It had the the benefit of all of Paizo's sort of great storytelling behind it, uh, right. and they very popular. You know, three point five edition of uh, the world's old, oldest role playing game. Uh, essentially, uh, you know, we call it Pathfinder uh, First Edition point five, I guess. Um, uh, uh, very popular, and and so. At the beginning, you know, it sold out. People were enjoying it. What can we get? And and there was just a lot of clamoring. When can we have more? When can we have more? At the beginning, the Adventure Pass were only coming out every other month, as they are now. Right. But uh, somewhere in the middle there, we oh well, maybe we can do this once a month. And and so the team got a little bigger, a little bigger, a little bigger as uh uh, uh as that kind of snowballed. Um, but in a lot of ways, because people are more, I think people are more comfortable with fantasy. Role playing, I don't mm. know. It's sim. It's it's familiar. You know what's going on. Uh, there are only so many kind of like, not so many kind of stories, but those kind of like genres. Whereas sci-fi has, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It has sci-fi right. has like eighteen different genres sort of baked into the words right. uh, that could be anything. And what kind of stories can you tell? And it's not the same for everyone. You know that people here they want to play a sci-fi role playing game. They, you know, they want those mechs right off the bat. And it was just sort of, you know, we don't know what to do with that yet. Uh, that took some time. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, when you say, I want to play a fantasy role-playing game, you know it's going to have swords and shields and dragons and stuff. Right. Which are right. just sort of easy to throw in at the beginning. So it, when Pathfinder 2nd Edition kind of, the big push to release that uh, 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 took a little bit of the uh, wind out of the solar sails of Starfinder in a lot of ways. Um and you know, deservedly so. There's not deservedly so, but uh, you know, like I said, like it was, it, it was so, also yeah. understandably so. It's big. It's it. It was you know, it's Paizo's flagship. Is is uh, right. Pathfinder, right? Um, so uh, it's always been a little bit of uh, for the past, you know, for since that occurred, since that release occurred. Now it's been like two years, right? Since second edition came out. Since then, it's been a little bit occasionally just like, uh, you know, hey, remember Starfinder exists, please, you know, raising our hand and being just sort of, we're here too, you know, um, to, and, but, uh, you know, which is why, uh, uh, 
the the pull back from a, a, rele- a monthly release on um, right. Adventure Path sort of pull back from three hardcovers a year to two, uh, that, that kind of stuff, just because it didn't have the resources uh, to do it. And, it, you know, frankly, there was some stuff that wasn't selling so well. So hmm. a business decision that makes perfect sense. Right. You, well, if you right. don't sell, right. you're not selling a lot of stuff, stop making so much stuff. Yeah, no, that, 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 that makes a lot of sense. You know, when I look at my, my bookshelf of, of offerings and, you know, I, I have my, my Pathfinder second edition section just keeps growing and growing is way yeah. surpassed my, my Starfinder section, Yeah, you know, so definitely I, I noticed the difference in, in titles and releases. And I did not recognize that they dropped down to just two hardcovers and not, they yeah. weren't doing three yeah. per year. So I didn't know that. At some point changed, it was around three. Yeah. Yeah. I know they changed it with, um, with the uh, adventure paths and with Starfinder Society, they've kind of slowed oh, yeah. down the re- release rate of those. It's like every other month they do one, and then they go to two, and they do one. You know, so it's not oh, quite the same yeah. numbers of doing it. But they've been doing more standalone adventures though for Starfinder, right? So these mm-hmm. one shots and and standalones, and so you know that's kind of been, I, I think, I think filling a gap, but. Getting back to where we started now and in terms of advice for people getting started with Starfinder, what about classes? What classes do you think are the best ones to get started with in light of of some of the things you said about, you know, how complex science fiction could be? Right. I mean, soldiers, it's the same with like fantasy and fighter, right? The soldier class is your your basic shoot them and punch them uh fella and uh it's a good place to sort of it's it's pretty you pick a fighting style and we got a lot of those and and they can yeah. range from from being good with grenades to being uh, a hit and run kind of you know or a sharpshooter that kind of stuff so uh there's a lot more uh to it than a fighter i would say in terms of most of the time when you think of a fighter you're thinking of someone with a sword or a spear or something and just sort of right. heading into the fight. The fighter, a soldier can be more, more, more ranged focus. Um, that's a good one to sort of start with. Um, I'm sort of tick, ticking through my uh, list here uh, in my head. I think, I mean, Envoy is kind of not too difficult. Um, it's more, if you want to play more of a support class. Mm-hmm. Um, if you'd like that kind of thing, handing out bonuses and, um, uh, uh, that's always kind of fun to, to, to do. Um, those two, I would say, uh, not that uh, others are incredibly more complicated. If you right. want to be a spellcaster, probably mystic then, um, cause you kind of yeah, pick I a think- connection and you're kind of locked into it. You know, you have to make yeah, choices Mystic's a lot like playing a cleric, yeah. I think, in you know, in 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 Pathfinder or, or D anD. I actually think one of the the funner things you can start with, and it's not too complicated, is actually the Technomancer, because okay. it allows yeah. you to do a lot of neat things, magic and technology wise, that mm. takes advantage of the system and the and the kind of the context. And none of it is super complex, right? Sure. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that the ones that I think are a little complex are I think the operative, even though it can do a lot of things, that variety of things that you can do actually leads to a higher level of complexity, as does the Vanguard, as does oh, the Witch yeah. Warper, you know, as does, yeah. you know, the Nanocyte. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so, so a lot of the newer things are can be a little bit more, more complicated in that regard. 
Yeah, indeed. I think that's sort of a sort of a uh, artifact of of these types of systems is that when you know the designers themselves get you know more familiar with it, they feel like they could do more complex things, and maybe some right. people want that, and obviously some people don't. But uh, uh, it's sort of a uh, I think it sometimes swings in that direction. We're like, oh, now we can we've got this sort of design space over here that we haven't touched. Let's do that, and it ends up you know being a little. You know, because the core classes, the base classes, are that for a reason. It's so because they're the right. they're the meat and potatoes of the system and the setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think Techometer is, is is a good idea because it does sort of let you see both parts of the science and the fantasy that are right. Starfinder. Yeah, and I, you know, I only have one Technomancer amongst all my characters, but it's it is one of the things I think is important for me. To be able to see how those things integrate, so as a mm-hmm. as a GM, yeah. you know, to to play that, I like playing soldiers. I like playing operatives, you know, because I think there's a lot of versatility and and what you can you can do with those things. I've been I'm playing a vanguard in our devastation arc, and we just hit level seventeen, and it is neat the kind of things that you can do as a vanguard to mitigate damage for your whole team, yeah. but. You have so many options on things to do just, you know, cause we're playing every other week, just keeping track of all that stuff. You know, yes, you can go yeah. and just punch somebody, but then when somebody's hitting back and you want to try to mitigate damage, you got five different ways, but you have to look at all <laughs> the specific circumstances to find right. out which one actually matches this thing here. So that, that's Enough. been a challenge and, and I'm a pretty experienced player and I've been playing Vanguard for a couple of years. So yeah, 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 and you've built, you know, you've played enough to build up to seventeenth level. I imagine you right. didn't start there. I, you know, that's I guess a little little tip is don't start at higher level <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. if you're first playing because it's too much. In fact, it, I would even say like maybe the first couple campaigns you play go up to fifth level at the highest, and then kind of start over, make first level characters again, and kind of get used to the 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 way the game works. Don't necessarily try. Don't say worry about trying to get from from first to 20th level because that a yeah. that takes a long time and b it just sort of continually ups the complexity as you go well and I, the other thing i'll say is that if you play a bunch of different characters at lower levels you realize all your mistakes you know like i sure. my first yeah, character yeah. was a soldier and i i played that up to 13th level now right in society play and there's so many things I did wrong along the way, <laughs> you know, that, enough, oh, yeah. I would, I would completely do differently, you know, so all my other subsequent characters know, you know, they benefit from that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, can, so, can you, can you, can you give us an example of something that you did wrong? Oh yeah. Let me, like let a me feat you didn't like, or a piece um, of gear. Well, so with the soldier, I, I did a, it's a blitz soldier, which I, basically means you you get good at melee and you can close pretty quick and stuff like that. And uh, I, I think that's probably one of the first things I maybe wouldn't have done mm-hmm. is to have, uh, he was a, my, my soldier's a, basically is a throwing, throwing weapon soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get ranged attack, can apply a strength bonus to it. Yeah. And, uh. You know, as, as it gets to higher levels, early on, that's kind of nice. But when you're getting 8, 9, 10, 12th level, you don't, the, the, the scaling of your damage dealing and stuff mm. just doesn't match up with somebody who's 
a heavy weapon user and use a soldier onslaught or, you know, some of these other things. So basically as a thrower, keeping that as a primary attack going all the way up, it really limited all the additional things I could do. That's probably the, the biggest thing. You know, I have different feats. I can optimize sure. certain things, but it really, I, I've had other, I, you know, I GM for other members of my group at 12th and 13th level and they have their their soldiers are just like man they're they're using this ranged heavy weapon a soldier's onslaught and two out of three hits each round and just blown <laughs> things to pieces massive damage and it's like wow you know and you know the weapon fusions you could you know maybe i could you know again the soldier is my very first character right it's my mm -hmm. 701 and i i haven't played it and brought three years now because it leveled so fast that sure, not, yeah. not much I can do with it now. Right. Um, but yeah, that's probably the biggest thing is look at more options. Now, obviously more options came since I, sure, yeah. I created that kind of the, the far side of this is, is my Vanguard. Um, I had played a Vanguard and society play up to level 13. And then we started devastation arc at level 13. I made a new Vanguard, oh, okay. but that was kind of based on what I, what I had learned yeah. early on. And one of the things in my, my society played Vanguard was an uplifted bear, just because I thought that would be really cool. But up, uplifted bears don't get um, reach. And the thing about okay, Vanguards, yeah. especially at higher levels, is they get increased, increasing reach all the time. And so I went with a dragonkin when I made my level 13 one. Yeah. And now my dragonkin at level 17 has 25-foot reach. <laughs> and... You combine that with lots of other cool things that that allows you to threaten a lot of space, can give mm, coordinated yeah. shot to a lot of space and and things like that. And then, you know, the envoy has a special ability that if two creatures threaten, even if they're not directly flanking, they right. still count as flanking. Well, because I can threaten everybody, it's <laughs> easy for everybody to get flanking just by attacking somebody else. So so different things I've learned, you know, but between those you know, starting with this and, and, and growing with that. Uh, what about you? Have you learned anything either as a player or as a GM from when you first started to, to where you oh, are now? Oh gosh. Um, that is a good question. Uh, I have learned a lot. Speaking of uplifted bears and, and dragon kin, I would have to say that I have realized that there's, there's a lot more large sized, possibilities uh for starfinder player characters and so uh hallways should probably take that into effect uh so you know you probably see some earlier maps where there's normal five foot hallways like you might see in a dungeon and a fantasy game right but uh, uh space you know uh, going on later on spaceships and 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 other science fiction -y areas but like let's have nice wide hallways so people can can march down them uh that's probably one of the biggest things <laughs> yeah when it so one of the things I learned early on with the uplifted bear and I've applied to any large characters I ha I have now is there's a feat called tight fit, which uh, allows you to move through narrow hallway. So if you're size large, you can move through a five foot hallway rather than gaining the entangle condition, which is what happens right. when you try to squeeze, you just lose five foot of your speed as you go oh, through. You so go. that's, that's a, that's a trade off. You spend a feat. So as a soldier, that's right. not bad. You get lots of feet, feats to mm -hmm. burn. Uh, as a vanguard, you don't get as many feats, but there's mm -hmm. not that many you need because you get so many vanguard uh, right. special abilities. So, so that that's that's I'd say one of the things I learned 
Um, uh, other things in terms of learning. Um, so I have um, a biohacker, and mm -hmm. I got to tell you, biohackers are really cool. <laughs> they can <laughs> really good in terms of skill monkeys, uh, damage dealing, uh, putting buffs out, and actually maybe also providing some healing ability, you mm -hmm. know, for your your party. So uh, a biohacker is a really kind of neat utility uh, class overall that I had not really seen. You know, when I, when it first came out, I didn't really think that way until I saw them in action and started started playing them. So I think that's another thing I, I learned. And then the other thing I'll say, kind of combined with that, are uh, people multi-classing. So that's not mm. something that a lot of folks do in Starfinder. I don't see that a lot. But um, if you multi-class like a biohacker and an operative or soldier operative and things like that, you're able to stack certain buffs and debuffs or biohacker yeah. in uh, Envoy, for example, that can really make it beneficial for your party, um, even one character doing those things. Cool. Well, that, yeah, I mean, that's, I would say, a definite advanced uh, strat. Yes, uh, yes. When we talk about multiclassing and getting all the stacking bonuses. Oh, but one one... One mistake that I see people make a lot, and right. uh, and I made it myself early on with my Envoy is where it came out, is not understanding the different types of bonuses and mm. trying to stack multiple insight bonuses, multiple yeah. you know circumstance bonuses, and not realizing that, oh, wait a second, if I get this insight bonus, then basically it completely wipes out that insight bonus. Yeah. Um, you know, so like operatives get the operatives edge, which is an insight bonus. Envoys get their um, expertise dice, which is an insight bonus. If you yeah. have other insight bonuses in there, well, they they don't stack with those, yeah. those big ones. So you don't get these massive numbers, which you when you see somebody and they're playing and they have this number that's way massive compared to where they should be at the level. Usually that's probably that's, the mistake. They're yeah. stacking bonuses. <laughs> it's good good yeah um again like yeah there's there there are a lot of those sort of little rules interactions that uh for new players i would say you know don't worry too much about them at the <laughs> yeah. beginning right you know you're gonna you're gonna come to learning them as you go along if you stick yeah. with the system uh so but then and they don't really come up as often at first and second level honestly so i would say i mean there's still there's all those that's you know it's always the things yeah you want to grapple somebody oh no um but uh yeah oh you know you mentioned you mentioned grapples and uh combat maneuvers that's one thing i don't like about starfinder it's fair enough it's, it's hard to do unless you go all in mm -hmm. you know go all in yeah. with stacking various modifiers for the combat maneuvers and then even then I, i've seen it where sometimes it's pretty useful you know, like, like if you're specialized with a grappler, it's, so it's different than Pathfinder where, you know, you had all these kind of trippers, right? Where yeah, people yeah. are tripping, everybody makes them prone. That That's not something that's as big in, in Starfinder. Um, but uh, every once in a while, you'll see somebody who's like really good at disarming and that's kind of fun, oh, okay. you know, really good at grappling. Um, but yeah, it's a little, it's a little bit tougher. It's, I think it's a little bit tougher in Starfinder to to build somebody around yeah, combat maneuvers. That's true. That's true. Um, I I I remember there was uh, vaguely 
hearing about the reasoning behind that. But I think some a lot of our people coming in writing stuff after the Coral books and the first couple books noticed that how difficult yeah. it is. And so there actually ends up being, uh, uh, you know, by this point, kind of have to pull the reins back on mm-hmm. giving bonuses to combat maneuver attacks and, and defense and stuff like that. So that it doesn't get completely out of hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So any other last tips or tricks you can think of for somebody new GMs coming in new or players coming in now? Just coming in new, uh, you know, the, there's a lot um, to to uh, uh, oh oh uh, to possibly consider um, some virtual tabletop uh, mm. stuff because that might help you with some math and and whatnot. Yes. Um, when you're doing attack and making sure that you know all what stacks and what doesn't stack, it'll it'll sort right. of handle that. I mean, vir- uh, virtual tabletop and also you know virtual character creators that'll help you. Uh, mm-hmm. make sure that you've remembered to give yourself a you know that that first level feat or take this first level bonus uh or later on when oh these two don't work together you really don't need them um because yeah that, that'll help i mean you know maybe at the at the start don't try to virtual tabletops are their whole uh a whole different thing in of themselves of course um so don't necessarily worry about like having it look the coolest and be the awesome where maybe still do you could still do you know theater of the mind combat but just sort of use the virtual tabletop as a die roller uh so that uh all the bonuses all the numbers get added up right um, then again, you know, maybe you're playing in person and that doesn't appeal to you. And that's that's also fine. Uh, uh, I would say in general, though, don't 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 sweat it. Get in there. Right. If you're having fun, you're doing it right. This is this is all standard advice, <laughs> but at this point. Yeah, I think it, it, at low level, especially, you know, when I see a lot of people saying that, you know, I played a lot of Pathfinder, or played a lot of fifth edition and I want to jump into to Starfinder. And I'm thinking, <clears throat> you know, thematically, it's different. But mechanically, mm-hmm. you know, you have ACs, you make rolls to hit. Yeah. It's really pretty straightforward. I think anybody who starts playing, you know, you don't even have to read anything. Have a character sheet, have a pregen. Mm-hmm. And I've done this so many times to new people. I say, okay, where do you want to move? What do you want to do? Okay, you want to do that thing? Look on your character sheet. You add that to this roll, roll it. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You hit, you miss. You know, and once they kind of get in the flow of that, you know, it's 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 not it's not hard for them to figure out. If you have something with a caster, that's a little more right. challenging because then you got to understand what the spells are, what they do. But the nice thing about you know now, if you're doing a virtual tabletop, you can actually pull up all the verbiage for the spell. But they have spell cards, and I I mm-hmm. use them in games, and I'll have them for all my creatures and monsters. And if there's new players there. I'll have them for all the pregens. And so they have a pregen sheet and here's all the spell cards and they can see exactly what it does. And if they don't know what it means, they can just read it and we'll tell them what it means. Sure. You know? yeah. and, and everybody's usually pretty helpful understanding yeah, yeah. that we're trying to grow the hobby. And so just because you're new and you don't know anything doesn't mean everyone's going to like be mad at you and whatever. Yeah. They're, everybody's willing to help. I If you find yourself a group like that, then yes. Uh, yeah. I'm sure there, there are, there are people out there who are can be jerks, but uh, to be to be honest, but and I think on the whole, uh, a lot of people want other people to have a good time, and yeah. so if you're there, if you're playing a new person playing with people who aren't new, yeah, don't. I think you know, don't be afraid to ask those questions because if you don't understand something, you're you're not going to learn unless you ask a question. 
Yeah, we uh, in our actual play we have we we added Stephanie um, Lundine to when we started uh, Dead Sons and we're carrying over De- Devastation Arc. She's not familiar with Starfinder and the rules at all. She's always asking for clarification on things. Sure, yeah, and we just do it. I mean, it's like yeah. it doesn't takes like an extra second, and I think for me it points out to the things that even somebody's been playing for several years that still might be confusing to them mm-hmm. with Starfinder when they're a very experienced Pathfinder player. Sure. You know, the yeah. difference between resolve points, hit points, and stamina points, right? You have all these points. Right. What mm-hmm. do they mean? What do you do with them, right? Once yeah, you yeah. figured out, it's it's kind of straightforward, but early on, it's tough. Um, mm-hmm. You know, death and dying, right? Those, those sorts of things mm-hmm. can be a little different between systems. So, but I, I don't, I don't think anybody should feel hesitant to jump in and start playing with no experience with Starfinder because I think anybody can do it. Yeah. I think anybody could do it. And that's, that'd be the the biggest tip is just to start playing. Yeah. Yeah. Once you, once you start, you'll, you'll figure out what you like and what you don't like and what you can sort of leave by the wayside if necessary. Yeah. I think so. So you're having a good time. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're about that at that time, Jason. All so right. Wow. It's been great again chatting with you. I'm John. And I'm Jason. And this has been Digital Divination. <laughs>